Hey, what's up, everybody? Steven Jensen here. And before myself and John Mosley get talking about Ben Ashburn versus Jake Paul and UFC Whitaker versus Gastelum and also giving predictions for UFC 261, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your Southern Fried source for vintage and modern toys, autographed memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Keep up to date with all of their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz. And follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City Toys. And I'll be there live in the house May 1st with Dan Severn. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to buy some action figures. Going to get some autographs. Going to get some sound bites. Little mini interviews, hopefully. Should be a really good time. Hope to see you all there on May 1st at the grand opening of Music City Toys and Collectibles once again at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. So without any further ado, kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with myself and jumping Johnny Mosley right here on the Fight Talk Podcast. Welcome to another week of the Fight Talk Podcast. You know, we're going to be talking about this past weekend's fights. We're going to talk about this upcoming weekend's big pay-per-view. We got hella title fights. We got a little MMA news sprinkled in. Of course, John Mosley here with Fight Talk himself, Stephen Jensen over there. We had a busy weekend, Stephen. We've got a busy weekend ahead. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. We got a lot to talk about from this past weekend, and we got a lot to predict for this upcoming show. So I'm looking forward to jumping right into this. And I know you were busy this weekend with some New South Pro Wrestling Action Clash. Man, we did it. We had five shows in three days across two states. Still going. Uh, yeah, excited, though, that the next couple weekends are a little little uh, closer to home. But, uh, yeah, man, very successful. Keeping them in the can. Uh, another episode coming up this Tuesday over on the IWTV. But, yeah, man, you uh, you said it, though. Huge weekend, of course. We uh, we have to talk about the – it's weird to call it a fight at this point, but we'll say the uh, the Paul Askren box-off or whatever we, that was. Steven, we expected things to probably go this way with the finish, but uh, what – did you think when you saw Ben Askren just just go down? Dude, yeah, I'm I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this whole thing, you know, like months ago when the mat when the fight was announced, I my initial feeling was that Jake Paul was just gonna work him because Jake people can say what they want about Jake Paul, but like he's actually been training boxing for you know a you know a couple of years at this point through you know, the fights that he has had, and he's taking it very seriously, clearly. And he definitely has, you know, a, you know, some level of athleticism for sure. I know that Logan was like a state, a state qualifier level, like wrestler in high school. I don't know if Logan, or I don't know if Jake was as well, but, uh, you know, they come from an athletic family. And, you know, so my initial thoughts was that Ben Ashford was, was probably getting some trouble. But then as it, the, you know, we got closer to the fight, I flipped my my prediction because I was seeing videos where, you know, Ashburn wasn't looking, you know, incredible, but he was looking like very confident with with his striking and stuff. And he had Freddie Roach kind of vouching for him. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, Freddie Roach, you know, legendary mm-hmm. boxer, uh, <clears throat> probably more more known like modern day as, you know, Manny Pacquiao's main trainer. And also, you know, he helped George St. Pierre, you know, throughout his MMA, his MMA career, you know, on, in his striking. Uh, he, I think a lot of that, that jab that GSP is so well known for is a product of him working with Freddie Roach. So when you had Freddie Roach kind of, <coughs> excuse me, kind of saying like, you know, kind of vouching for Ben in these interviews leading up to the fight, I was like, okay, well, you know, Ben Askren's an Olympic level athlete. He's... He has MMA experience. I mean, he was the one championship champion. He was the Bellator champion. Like, he didn't use his hands a whole lot. He won a lot of, you know, his fights by decision. A lot of his fights, you know, because of his grappling and, you know, just being superior on the ground. 
So all this stuff being said, I figured that would, I know he couldn't wrestle in this fight, but I figured this, the, the competitive aspect, the Olympian level athlete inside of him, like I just figured it would translate more than what we saw on Saturday. Right. You know, and I was just really wrong. Like Jake Paul went in there and just, he just worked him. Like, I think Ben maybe landed one overhand right, but it didn't affect the fight whatsoever. Like, Jake just ate it or, you know, kind of slipped it or whatever he did. And what Jake was doing in the fight, I mean, you have to respect the game plan. He went in there and he was he was fainting really, really well. And you could tell that Askren was, he couldn't get the timing or the range down. He was just kind of stuck there. And then, like, when he was stuck there, Jake would land a couple shots just kind of pepper him up a little bit and you could tell that Askren quickly realized that Jake actually had more skill on the feet than he did like I think he realized it really quickly and then he was probably like okay well you know this is for real and before he really had a chance to even get going Jake just flattened him and then the finish of the fight I have no problem with either the the referee uh stopping it when he did because you know, Ben was saying, yeah, I'm good to go. I'm good to go after he got dropped. But if you watch the replay, you can see that Ben is stumbling like into the referee while he's saying it. And the ref's like, no, this is over. Like you can't yep. stand up straight. So, you know, and, and people think this fight was fixed and all this stuff. And, and really, I don't think it's fixed at all. I think we honestly just saw two guys go out there and box. One of them takes it incredibly seriously and like wants to make a pro boxing career out of this, or at the, at the very lowest, like a fringe celebrity slash pro boxing career. And another guy, you know, Ben Askren didn't, and he's never looked like he's been in great shape, but like, you know, he's been successful throughout his career up until recent years, but like, he didn't really look like he was in good shape going into this. He didn't, he didn't throw hardly any, any offense against Jake. So it was like, you know, I don't think he threw the fight at all, but I think we just saw a guy who was like, I just think Jake Paul is a way better boxer than Ben Askren is. And he, and he proved it. Absolutely did it. Uh, I saw the clip. It felt very much like you said that I think he was out of it. Uh, he Ben did not look the best in shape and, and you, yeah, you summed it up. Great, man. Uh, Jake Paul absolutely looked uh, like a killer in there. So, uh, quick question. There was a video coming out, Tyron Woodley getting into it with Jake Paul. Someone even tweeted out after the fight, what about Paul Woodley? Uh, what What are your thoughts on that? And just, I guess, Jake Paul's boxing future. So, before I give my thoughts on that, I will say about Tyron Woodley, um, there was a really funny video before the fight that Askren put up on his Twitter. And it was like a clip of, it was like a YouTube series he was doing leading up to this fight. And Ben Askren's on his phone and he, he like Woodley's right there. And he's like, Hey Tyron, uh, this guy six X nine wants to like walk me to the ring. Do you know who this guy is? And you could tell Woodley's like, like wait, Takashi six nine wants to, <coughs> wants to like wrap you out to the ring. And Askren's like, yeah, I don't know who this guy is. Like, should I, like, should I do this? And, and Tyron's like, I mean, I mean, you get hella clout online, but like, I don't know, he's a snitch. But like, you're not, you're not, you're not out on the street, so like, that doesn't really matter, you know. And you could just <laughs> tell that Tyron was like a little salty that like six nine knew who Askren was, but never had reached out to him ever. You know what I mean? I just thought it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> That being said, yeah, I think Jake Paul flattens Tyron Woodley if they box. Um, I'd like to see it um, as far as, like, competitively, I think it would be a lot more competitive than than Askren was because Woodley at least does have the knockout power. Uh, but, on, like, honestly, and, and I have a little bias there because, like, you know, if you listen to this show, you know that I'm not, like, the biggest Tyron Woodley fan in the world. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I, if honestly, if Jake Paul boxed, Woodley the same way he boxed Askren, I'd probably take Jake Paul. I think the favorite going into the fight would have to be Woodley, like betting wise. I think Woodley would have to be the favorite because of his experience in MMA and, and what we've seen him do knocking people out in MMA. But 
Woodley also hasn't been just sitting there straight up just training nothing but boxing for the last three years like Jake Paul has. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the part of this I think people underestimate. It's like, yes, he's a YouTuber. He's he was made his he became a celebrity through Vine and he's he's a total hype beast, you know, product. But <clears throat> but he is also a kid who's like in his early twenties in his physical prime and he's doing nothing but training boxing. And he, yeah in phenomenal shape looks every time you see him, it looks like a Greek God. Very curious to see about his future moving forward. Uh, also this weekend, before we dive into all the UFC news, the Bellator uh, Grand Prix moved forward a little bit closer with Nimkov and, and Corey Anderson advancing in the light heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, uh, the main event of course was the uh, title defense with Nimkov winning a unanimous decision over Phil Davis. I believe, yeah, 48-47 across the board. Uh, Corey, uh, Corey Anderson, on the other hand, got a finish in the third round with TKO to strikes. Moving forward uh, in this Grand Prix, man, that's 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 all you want to see, right? Yeah, and those were both predictions that were correct from our, um, when we did our whole bracketology when, mm-hmm. the, when it was announced. So... So we, <coughs> excuse me, sorry y'all for the coughing. I got something like caught in my throat, it feels like. Um, but uh, I, I don't, was there, was there, was those the first two fights of the tournament? I can't remember. I know they I, haven't done, I know they haven't done Rumble and Yoel yet. Yeah, I. Oh no, they did the Leota fight. They, the, yes, they, they did Leota and Bader. So yeah. we, we're going to get, uh, we know now that, we're going to get Bader and Corey Anderson in one semifinal on the other side. Yes, Nimkov. And then, as you just mentioned, he will fight the winner of Rumble and Yoel Romero. Um, awesome. So, so yeah, we should have, again, everything on schedule for October for the final in that Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, very excited. So, uh, quickly, what do you think about that Bader-Anderson matchup? Um, you know, I'm going to take Bader like I did in the in the predictions from mm-hmm. before. You know, I'm going to stick with those. Uh, been right so far. I think that Bader's wrestling is just going to be too much. You know, I, I I I had Rumble Johnson winning the entire thing, so we'll see how he does against. I think I think Rumble Johnson's biggest competition in the tournament is Yoel, probably like stylistically, if Yoel is able to grapple him. But if Rumble gets past Yoel, I think that Rumble carries that momentum and you know Nemkov is no joke you know obviously he's proved that multiple times now especially with the way that he beat Bader for the title like so I I think you know that's very interesting and I like that Nemkov you know I like that they defend the titles throughout the tournament I think that's pretty cool so Nemkov you know brings that title over to the next round and then yeah I got to go with Bader just having superior wrestling over Corey Anderson and you know, Bader has good striking, too, but I think Anderson's striking might be a little more diverse. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could see him throwing, like, a head kick, you know, versus, you know, Bader. Bader can throw head kicks, but I could just, I could see Anderson coming from some different angles, maybe mixing it up on the feet a little bit more than, than Bader would be able to. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I think that that would lead to Bader against the winner of nine. I, when does it say that they're doing um, Anderson or um, Rumble versus Yoel? When is that fight? See, I thought that was supposed to be on the same card, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that has been. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Um, Yo, nothing about it being moved. So I want to say it's got to be in this month or by May because we're supposed to have both these semifinals. Are uh, are supposed to be yeah. So uh, court the original announcement was for April seventeenth. So now I'm curious why that didn't happen. Yeah, I have no idea. I haven't kept up with that. So I, I mean, hopefully that happens soon because that was the one fight that I think was the most exciting for everybody to see, and that was the one most people were like you know hyped up when it was announced. Here we go. So, Yoel, it's uh, May 7th. Of course, as soon as I say that, the, the fucking thing loads again. But I believe it said it's going to be May 7th um, should be the final quarterfinal of this Grand Prix. Okay, so that's in like three weeks, give or take. Okay. He'll face off 
against the winner of, yes, uh, Rumble and Yo Romero, which is scheduled to be the co-headliner of Bellator 258 on, on May 7th. What's the other headliner? Can you... That, that's a great question. What's I say? Bellator... What about Cyborg again? It could very well be Bellator 258. Because, yeah, you think that that is such... A, that very easily could be fight of the... Oh, oh, is that... Um, that is that the main event? Archuleta and Pettis? Okay, for the title? Yeah, yeah it's exactly. That'll be the main event with, uh, with Yoel and Rumble in the co-main. Yeah, Sergio Pettis, just for those of you listening. Yeah, yeah. Chris, um, but, um, Showtime's PFL debut is it this weekend, I think. Is, I know that's coming up very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Okay, cool. So, yeah, good stuff going on in Bellator. Then, of course, they got Pitbull there, who's like, you know, dual champion, like one of the best featherweights in the world right now. I mean, Douglas Lima's doing his thing. I mean, they got, they got really good, uh, Still think there's a, a high ceiling on uh, on MVP, but he just hasn't fought. When he has fought the top of the top competition, you know, Lima, that was... But outside of that, he's looked pretty good. I saw that. Did you see that um, last... Um, I can't even remember who he fought, but Paul Daly just fought, like, a few days ago. Oh, yeah, I saw a clip of it on, the, on Twitter. He... Yeah, he almost got finished in the first round like i don't know how he survived it and to his credit he wound up coming back and winning in the third round but he showed me a lot there like i've never been the biggest paul daly fan you know yeah. my favorite one round fight ever is him and nick diaz yes, strike force for sure <laughs> but you know between you know the whole cheap shot on cost check and i just never thought he was like he was a pretty one-dimensional fighter you know just mainly was just trying to box people and but honestly, like after seeing that, like he showed a lot of heart in that win. So I, I definitely want to give him credit for that. It was, it was it was a very impressive come from behind win. Shout out Simtex. Definitely go back and watch the the DS fight. It was an anniversary recently for that. I don't know exactly how many years it's been, but I read it and it made me go, man, I'm getting old. Hey, yeah, I feel that it was. It's probably been over. A, yeah, it's been over a decade for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, shout out that fight again. Uh, shout out the Diaz bros, 209. Let's get into this UFC talk. We had a well of a, pay, or I almost said pay-per-view. It felt like a pay-per-view with uh, with all the names on this one, but it was a UFC on ESPN card. Main event, of course, Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles, and Kelvin Gastelum. A lot of decisions on the main card. We had some finishes on the prelim card. Uh, of course, it was a great night in the Jensen household because Andre Arlovsky got the win. But we got to lead off with this main event fight of the night. Robert Whitaker wins again over Kelvin Gastelum. He goes 50-45 across the board. It was a good fight. Uh, Gastelum had a couple of moments, but it really felt like Robert Whitaker did the damn thing and proved again why he is he's one of the best. And, uh, and right there, again, the only, you know, his only loss since 2014 is, of course, to Israel Adesanya. So uh, another chapter for, for Whitaker. What were your thoughts on the fight? And, of course, the big question with uh, what do we do now with, with Izzy and, and Rob? Because Izzy had some thoughts straight up called Whitaker his son after the, uh, the fight. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, and, and I think it has to be Whitaker next. It's got to be Whitaker on Asanya rematch. Um, I was saying going into this fight that Marvin Vittori has looked good. Um, Adesanya is just in this, he's in a strange position very quickly in his career because he's at a, he's at a point already where, and we talked about it, we talked about it a lot of the show, but if you look at the rankings, number one, well, obviously he's the champion. Then number one, you have Whitaker, who he's beat. Two is Costa, who he's beat. Three is Vittori, who he's beat, but Vittori, that wasn't a title fight. That was before he'd won the title. Uh, four is Cannoneer, who is coming off a loss. Five is Brunson, who he's beaten already, once again, yeah. before the title. But And then you have Darren Till, who just hasn't been active enough that you can really justify it. Like, he, he's falling out of, you know, key matchups that could potentially get him a title fight. But if he's not fighting, he's, you know, He's got. He basically needs to win a big fight before they can put him and Adesanya in the in the octagon together. So, when you look at like the, all those options, it's like 
you're basically talking about all rematches. And Vittori and Brunson have basically done the same thing. You know, they both decisioned Kevin Holland this year. And I think if you look at Brunson's overall career, Brunson has probably done more than Vittori has. Yes. You sure. know? And I wouldn't be mad about Vittori getting a title shot, by the way. Like, I, you know, I think he's gotten better since the last time he fought out of Sonya. And they also fought to it. I think it was a split decision. So, like, <clears throat> he has claim to, you know, being a good opponent for a rematch. But if you look at Whitaker, it's like he had already got that when he beat. Um, was it was it Till that he beat in his last fight before that? Gotta pull this up real quick. It was Cannoneer after that, so it was Till then Cannoneer. Yes. So, so he beat Till and then he beat Cannoneer, which, you know, that alone, he's already the number one contender. But then there was the whole situation with Adesanya going up to light heavyweight fighting Blahovich, and it kind of held things up. And to be fair, Whitaker, his timeline didn't really fit the whole thing, also, but. <clears throat> that all being said, they're in a position right now where like Whitaker was already the number one contender, in my opinion, going into the Gaslam fight. And I think beating Calvin Gaslam means more than beating Kevin Holland. And you also look at the rest of uh, you know Whitaker's body of work and the fact that his only loss is to Adesanya in recent years and everything like you said, like I think it's a no brainer that they should do Whitaker and Adesanya again. And I would have been fine with them doing Whitaker and Adesanya immediately by the way, even though I generally don't like immediate rematches if there's a first round knockout, but like Whitaker had done enough already to like establish himself as a guy Then you know what I mean? I don't think people would have been mad if Whitaker would have just got another title shot, even if he hadn't done all this. Yeah, no. Yeah. Especially with that stretch he had put together, uh, the stretch since then, that's three wins in a a row now for Whitaker since that loss to Israel Adesanya. Uh, Gaslam on the other side of that, I believe now that puts him at three wins in his last eight. That's uh, not not the best. Again, losing to a lot of great talent. We've got Wadman, Izzy, Till, Hermanson, and now Whitaker. Uh, but again, man, this is a lot of uh, a lot of losses stacked up in a time when um, when the UFC is not uh, not looking to pay a ton of money. Though again. Fight of the night here. I'm not saying it's he's going to be cut anytime soon, but what I am saying is he's got to got to get back in that win column soon. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, yeah, it, the the thing with Gastelum is, I like I think he's safe. Like I think he's safer than most would be, like given the record because of what you said with who he's fighting. I mean, it, he's losing to you know, Till, Hermanson, and Whitaker. So it's like, and before that was Weidman, who, you know, that was when Weidman was, like, at his peak. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know what I mean? As, I mean, but he still picked up wins over Bisbing, Jacare, and Heinish. So it's like, he's still beating good fighters. Uh, Bisbing, a former champ. Like, Bisbing had just lost the title uh, to GSP before that loss. You know, and, like, uh, Gasolum, you know, beat him right after that. So it's like, he beat pretty much peak Bisbing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's, I got to give Calvin Gastelum a ton of credit because I think a lesser man would, in his position, would settle for fighting like, you know, top 15 guys. Because Gastelum could probably just be ringing those up. You know, he could probably go in there and fight, you know, number 15, number 14, whatever, get get some wins. And maybe that's what he needs to do next. Um, but he's showing some serious balls with the people he's getting into the cage with. And, and even like the Adesanya fight, even though he lost that unanimous decision, that was, there was multiple times where he almost finished Adesanya in that one. I mean, that was a, uh, that was the best fight I've ever seen live. You know, that was just, so it's, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those things mm-hmm. where like, you know, mm-hmm. I can't, I'm going to give Gasolum a, a much bigger pass based on his record than I'm going to give most people. Oh, yeah, no, Gaslam, very much a name associated with the UFC. Uh, very, very fired up to see who will be in there with next coming off of this one more time. Fight of the night, main event, a 50-45 across-the-board win for Robert Whitaker. 
just count down the days. I'm with you, man, to see when he'll get that rematch. Is he look forward to it? Uh, in the co-main, the the Steven Jensen fight of the night, Andre Arlovsky gets the win, 29-28 across the board over Chase Sherman. We were excited in the uh, with the hotel room. We got to see this one live. Uh, excited to see Arlovsky. Admittedly, very close fight. Did you agree with the judges? Am I dumb for asking that question? <laughs> no, I mean, and I didn't doubt it for a second, man. I came into this one thinking, like, Andre Arlovsky was the safe bet. He was the guy you got to go with. I felt like Chase Sherman had no chance in this one heading into it. Um, and I'm obviously kidding. Because yeah. last, <laughs> last week I was like, Chase Sherman's probably going to go out here and murder Arlovsky, but I can't pick against him because I'm just too big of a fan. That was one of the least, um, that was honestly one of the least um, uh, confident predictions I've had in a while, was taking mm-hmm. my boy Andre Arlovsky over Chase Sherman. So to see his performance, I was very, very happy. Um, Arlovsky looked good. I mean, Sherman looked good too. And Sherman's got a very bright future. I think he was like early 30s when we were looking it up last week. 31. I mean, he's going to be fine. And he was on a four-fight win streak heading into that fight. Like, in Arlovsky's, what I love about it is that he can still mix it up and and be, you know, competitive against guys this level. Um, I don't know if Sherman was ranked in the top 15 going into that. Let me uh, pull that up real quick. Because I'd be interested to see if he was on, like, the bottom, in the bottom there somewhere. Um, why am I not seeing the heavyweight? There it is. So he wasn't ranked, but, I mean, Alexi Olenek is number 15, and he hasn't been looking great lately. Um, so I guess, point being, Arlovsky, I think, could still hang in there with, like, top 15-level guys. Um, you know, he's not going to beat all of them, but he might beat some of them. And who knows? At heavyweight, it's not like I, it's not like I think he's going to go on this big run and, like, win the heavyweight title again or anything like that, but, you know... He proved he still he still deserves a spot in the UFC. Like JDS got cut, Overeem got mm-hmm. cut. Like Arlovsky is still hanging in there, you know. That was his fifty third career fight, a uh, professional fight. He put he moves on now. 31-20 and two. He has won three of his last four. Absolute legend, Andre Arlovsky. Absolutely keep an eye on Chase Sherman, the youth. Uh, he was in there very again, very very close. 29-28 across the board. Uh, moving right along in our middleweight competition, the middle of this card. Jacob Malkoon defeated Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, man. 30-27 across the board. We said a lot of decisions. This was our third unanimous decision. Uh, we opened up with two split decisions. Uh, how did you feel about uh, the, the scorecards on this one and the non-wiki page getting the dub? Yeah, no problem at all. Malkoon dominated the whole fight um this was the only prediction i got incorrect on the card as well um <coughs> so yeah al hassan <coughs> sorry uh excuse me all the freaking clearing my throat out um al hassan just he just too one-dimensional it just is what it is i don't know if he can hang i mean he he might he i mean I, let me see how young he is because i think he's a young guy Oh no, he's thirty five. He's old. He's actually. I thought he was like in his early twenties. He's lost three in a row. That's. Uh, I'm just gonna keep it real. That's just not a good spot to be in. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the flip side, Malcoon got the win, and I think most people went with Al Hassan in their predictions based on kind of you know seeing more of Al Hassan in the octagon. But uh, but yeah, I mean, don't want to take anything away from Malcoon. Great game plan, and went in there and won all three rounds. Won all three rounds. Gets the big dub on ESPN. You love to see it. Uh, moving along again, we're gonna we're gonna review UFC 261. We got those big title fights, so we're gonna chug along a little bit quicker on this uh, this review from this past weekend. And wound up being a catchweight fight. Tracy Cortez beat Justine Keish in a split decision. We went 29 28, 28 29, 30 27. Cortez with the win. Uh, again, anytime you're getting a win on ESPN, it's exciting. And then a win over Justine, very impressive. Yeah, for sure. And Tracy Cortez now, get her, uh, I'm going to get her pulled up real quick. Because, yeah, that's eight eight wins in a row, nine wins in a row. She lost her first fight of her career, it looks like. So, good for her. I mean, 
And she was in Invicta just a couple years ago, came in through the Contender Series, and has not looked back ever since. So really, Cortez is someone we need to keep our eyes on for sure. And if we're looking at, you know, that whole kind of division, I mean, this wound up being at a catch weight, but if this was at flyweight, you've got, you know, pretty good. They have a pretty good division. We talk about it a lot, but like outside of Andrade, <clears throat> there are just aren't that many interesting matchups for uh, Shevchenko. And like, that's what's coming up next. So that's a division that's really wide open after the Andrade and Shevchenko fight. So, you know, Cortez just, she just needs to keep doing what she's doing inside the octagon and, you know, maybe another win or two. And like, she's in that top 10, you know, in that, in that mix. And this was a catch weight because uh, Cortez came in half a pound over that 126 non-title weight limit. Um, she yeah, needs we, to fix that for sure. Yeah, that's the exactly my point. We we're very excited for a great career. Like you said, all these wins in a row looking like uh sky's the limit, but yeah, gotta, gotta make weight, gotta make weight, got to make weight. Uh, the final fight on this main card, violent Bob Ross, Lewis Pena with a split decision win, 28, 29, 29, 28, 29, 28, uh, Pena back in the win column, bro. Yeah. And you know, this fight wound up being on the main card because the original co-main event, which was Jeremy Stevens and the Clark, close, Drakkar Close. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying his name. Um, that got canceled because yes. at the weigh-ins, Jeremy Stevens shoved him and he actually injured him on the shove. So, like, that sucked. Be interesting to see how they wind up uh, figuring that out because, like, I've, I've loved watching Jeremy Stevens fight for years. You know, I was talking about how I was probably the most pumped up for Close versus Stevens for anything on the show. Um, but I, I just got to keep it real here too with Stevens. Like, you know, you can't, for one, you can't, that, I mean, that's, I don't want to sound like a, you know, you know, yeah. a snitch or soft or whatever, but like, you can't just, that is assaulting someone technically. Like you can't just push someone, you know? Well, and let me ask you this real quick at what, uh, because my first thought was this, we, we talk about pro wrestling bleeding into MMA and the pageantry and the, I guess the extra stuff is the easiest way to say that of, of all this. And we've kind of almost been trained at, a, a, at this point to expect this kind of, you know, this, this shoving and all this at the weigh-ins, you know, at what, what point are we saying, all right, maybe, you know, obviously we have, the weigh-ins are so important. That's such a, but like, again, what point is it that this is, uh, this is expected man to, to have this kind of shit. And then now we see why, it's stupid, and I saw some people saying, you know, um, he should be banned, Jeremy Stevens, this, that, and the other. Like, that's how upset people were, but at the same time, a lot of these same people are cheering when, uh, you know, when all this other kind of tomfoolery is going on. So it's just a, a weird, you know, something that I've been thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the with Stevens in particular, it's – it's a little different because he has that history. Like I, rem- I don't remember how long ago it was, but I remember a couple years back, <clears throat> and I probably need to like verify exactly if this is what happened. But I just remember something happening along the lines of him getting it was like an assault charge of some kind. Like he got in some sort of altercation, and I think he was in jail. And I'm pretty sure I remember the story being that Dana White like went and bailed him out of jail so that he can make it to a UFC fight on time. And I, I once again, I'd have to like verify that. I don't want to like sit here and like look it up while we're doing the show. But mm-hmm. it was something along those lines. And the point there is like, if he, if he has like, you know, a history of like assault, and like he also is like pushing people at the weigh-ins. Mm-hmm. that's just kind of a pattern to me of like, I'm not necessarily saying he like, he should get fired or, you know what, but I'm just saying like, there should be some sort of punishment for that. Like whether it's a big fine, which may have happened. Like, I, I don't know. Like it's very possible the UFC find him because of the money they could say they lost out from people, you know, that didn't watch because they were going to watch for this fight. Um, but it's, 
Yeah, it's just a, it's just a shitty situation. Like once again, I'm not sitting here like thinking Jeremy Stevens should be banned from the company like mm-hmm. forever, but I also wouldn't be like super upset if there was a harsh punishment for doing that because you need to send that message. Because I mean, I'm sure people could also look at like the John Jones and Daniel Cormier stuff, you know, when they were pushing each other and fighting on you know on the podium and all that stuff during a press conference, and it's like that probably sold a lot more pay-per-view when that happened. You know, mm-hmm. it was probably good for the company. Um, and there was probably no punishments at all for any of that. I don't know for sure, but, you know, it probably got pretty swept under the rug. Same with, like, the Connor uh, trolley or Dolly thing. Where you yes. do the thing at the bus. Like, yeah, there was some punishment for that. But, like, and if that just happened in, like, everyday life, like, if he just rolled up on someone and threw something through somebody's car window and then, like, glass wound up, you know, cutting people's faces and stuff, it would have been way more serious than like the punishment he got from the UFC. You know what I mean? Um, So there's kind of this weird precedent that's already been set where like the UFC doesn't really care. I don't think too much as long as it's like creating even more buzz for their shows. And Mm -hmm. as long as nobody's really getting hurt, like really badly. Um, But you have, you got to set some sort of example for that because there's nothing to stop a fighter from just doing this again. If they don't like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine a scenario where, like, you're about to get in a fight with someone you really don't like, and you really don't care if you're going to be actually fighting the next day or not. Like, you just hate this person. And you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to shove the shit out of them. And if they get injured, they get injured. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? If there's going to mm-hmm. be no consequence. Then, yeah, I know. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's that's kind of, I mean, it's not been talked about a, a lot. It's kind of what you let off with. It'll be interesting to see what, if anything, does come from this. Just something I've been thinking about, man. We we, we kind of, uh, these weigh-ins are getting, you know, this and that, that get done. Of course, the throwing the cans and all that with the Diaz and Connor. It's just at a certain point, uh, this is what happens, man, when a lot of that just kind of, we, we, let, it, we let it fly. Um but yeah, yeah. In, in, you know, back to uh, the fight that did happen. To be sure, uh, I, I don't know if there's been an announcement if this fight's been pushed or what's going on. But uh, we definitely didn't get it. We did get Lewis Pena with a with a split decision win. Um, thoughts on Bob Ross's performance? Oh yeah, thank you for bringing us back to the actual fight. I, I forgot that that's why we were talking about Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, good good win for Pena. I mean, this is his how many split decisions in a row is? He? Oh, not in a row, I guess. But he had the this one, was, yeah. You the one with Frivola. I remember that one being very close. Yeah, I mean, he just has a lot of really close fights, but they're entertaining fights, you know. And he's a likable guy, especially if you know that guy's whole you know life story and everything about like his, you know, like his uh like finding his birth father like super late in life and like his dad becoming like a huge fan of his like as a fighter and stuff like it's a he had a really cool story um so uh so yeah i i'm a fan of his on kind of a personal level and i like the the whole that he leans into the whole violent bob ross thing cuz I, I love bob ross i like the you know the actual the real bob ross the painter <laughs> I, you know i think he was an awesome guy who sent out a really great message to the world, like very positive, relaxing show. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I felt with, uh, with Bob Bob Ross, man, I think he's a good dude and I like seeing him get wins and it would have been kind of a bummer to, you know, if you would have went on the other end of the split decision, but Munoz would have earned it too. I mean, it was a close fight and I want to see Munoz again, because he's a scrappy kid who's got, you know, it looks like he's got really good grappling, really good wrestling and, Mm -hmm. You know, it was a good fight. It was a very good fight, and it was good to see Pena get the win. But I, once again, like I, I, I have no reason to dislike Munoz either. You know, it was it was a good, just good competitive fight. Good competitive fight to start off the main card. Uh, anything you want to add from the prelim fights? We had a couple of finishes. We had some more decisions. Uh, Gerald Mearshart and Tony Gravely left with performance of the night bonuses. But yeah, anything from the prelim card before we dive into this pay-per-view? Yeah, shout out to Mearshart for that guillotine choke. Um, Jessica Panay with the split decision over Loopy. This was like the only one I think I got wrong on the prelims for my predictions. But it was a damn close fight. You know, obviously split decision, you can't get any closer than that. But Jessica Panay really needed that win, like we were talking about last week. So... 
you know, good for her. You know, I never want to sound like too biased in my predictions because like I don't have like a personal beef or vendetta against, you know, any of these fighters or anything. Um, but sometimes I know it can be a little harsh sometimes of thinking like someone's career might be, you know, over or, you know, trending the wrong direction and stuff. But, you know, sometimes like I'm totally wrong and I'm very happy to be wrong. And, you know, Jessica Panay, once again, very close fight, could have won either way, but got the job done. And even if she would have lost, like Loopy's a good fighter. Like it was a good, it was a good fight. Um, outside of that, yeah, the, the Romanov fight was, was, uh, that was obviously really close too, but it was, it was strange how it ended. Like, yes, I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was something along, along the lines of, you know, Romanov got kicked in the nuts. Yes. It was a knee that growing. Yeah. And because the fight had been. So and keep in mind, I was watching the the boxing fight at the same time as this, like getting that all set up. So I was just kind of like half paying attention to, the, to this fight. But yeah, it looked like it was like the knee to the nuts. And then because the fight had gone as long as it had, like it was a minute or so into the third round, they ended the fight there. And then it went to the judges and like that's how he wound up like he wound up winning which so which is very strange like he got kicked in the nuts and then won um but it was like such a close fight that like espino could have won which would have looked really weird too like if he would have kicked the dude in the nuts and then like they raise his hand right after it's like oh that's kind of weird like <laughs> committed a foul but then like won so um, so yeah, just a strange, just a strange situation in that one, but something you don't see very often. Yeah, not at all. That was one I had to like <laughs> go back. Okay, this is okay. Um, but yeah, gr- solid card. Definitely plenty to talk about. Let's uh, let's shift gears and get into UFC 261 talk. Three title fights this Saturday night, live from the Jacksonville, Florida area. The Vice Star. Veterans Memorial Arena. That's a dub country to those sure. of us in the know. Uh, huge card, man. I know we talked about it last week. This is going to be one of the biggest cards of the year. Anytime you have three title fights, you've also got Chris Weidman and Uriah Hall. We've got Lionheart back. You've got all kinds of names sprinkled around the uh, early prelims and prelims. Early prelims are actually going to be on ESPN2, I believe, which is really dope. Prelim card ESPN and, of course, the main card along with Everything else you can watch with your ESPN Plus payment. Let's kick it off, man. Main event, the fight that we may have the quickest amount to talk about of these three title fights, because I think we're already on the same page. The rematch, Kamaru Usman defending the welterweight title once again against Street Jesus, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, I mean, again, I think we know what we're saying, but hit me with it anyway. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, you already know. Like, I think it's going to play out similar to the first fight. It, it may be a little more competitive with Masvidal getting a full training camp, but um, something that I think people don't really consider is that the first time that Masvidal and Usman fought, like Usman was preparing for burns. So it wasn't True. like, you know, it wasn't like he was at some, like, I mean, he was at an advantage because like he was, you know, training and ready for to, to defend his title. Like he had gone through like his, you know, his training camp and was at like, you know, peak, readiness to be fighting whereas Masvidal took the fight you know on you know short notice so from that perspective you know maybe it'll be a little more competitive with Masvidal having a full training camp but like I said Usman's having a full training camp also and specifically training for Masvidal this time so you know I'm gonna go unanimous decision Usman uh he might even finish him with ground and pound I guess I think it's possible but I think the most likely scenario is that he uh, he just totally out wrestles him and just kind of establishes dominance. And you always have the chance of Masvidal landing something big, you know. And he is a fun fighter to watch. And you, you know, you can't take anything away from what he did to Nate Diaz. You know, uh, you know, he got stopped from that cut, but he was he was beating up Nate Diaz on the feet. I mean, it was unquestionable who was winning that fight. So, um, so I mean, you know respect to Masvidal and everything, but I just think this is a terrible stylistic matchup for him. And I, I gotta go Usman. You know, I, I have to, I have to consider Usman to be a heavy favorite going into this. I would have to agree. The last time they fought, we we're talking July 12th of 2020. 
This was Kamar Usman's fight. He won 50-45, 50-45, 49-46, unanimous decision. Fun fact, that was also a main event of a three-title fight show with the only changing of the guard. I mean, it wasn't even a changing. It was a vacant title, the vacant UFC Bantamweight title. Uh, Peter Yan defeated uh, Jose Aldo. That was the only, it's not even a title change, but quote-unquote title change in a vacant fight. The uh, other ones were, um, were, were all and still, so that's something to keep in mind uh, just, just uh, for a little fun fact for this one. But I'm with you, man. I think, I think Usman wins nine times out of ten. He's probably going to win this out of a uh, unanimous decision. Use the wrestling, just get Masvidal down, frustrate him. Uh, yeah, same page, uh, of course, is your main event, uh, the co-main event. Very excited for this one, bro. I know we both are. Women's Strawweight Championship, Wale Zhang defending against Thug Rose, Nama Yunez. This feels like it could be legit fight of the night talk by the time the final bell being Steven Jensen. Yeah, I'm very, very looking forward to this. You know, I was there live at Zhang's last title defense when she beat Yuani on Jacek and, you know, I said earlier that the best fight I've ever been to live was Adesanya and um, in Gaslam, but Zhang and Yun Jacek is like right there. Like it's very, very close. And if I'm like, you know, if I'm talking specifically female MMA, it's by far, I think the best women's fight we've ever seen in, in maybe combat sports history. Like I can't say enough good things about how, how much respect I have for Wiley Zhang and Yuana and Jacek for that matter. But, um, as far as this fight goes, man, Zhang, She's been a great champion. You know, she hasn't been able to defend the title, you know, ideally as much as you would like, but obviously she was, you know, COVID there, just travel and stuff. It just couldn't happen for a while. And Rose is coming off that. Um, it was, uh, who did she just beat in that last fight? It was, it's pulled up real quick. Rose is coming off that win over Jessica Andrade. That's right. She got that win back, mm-hmm. lost the title to her, then beat her um, split decision in the rematch. And now Andrade, since then, has gone, you know, knocked out Chukagan and getting a title shot of her own on this show. I'm kind of wild how things uh, played out with all that. But as far as prediction, man, this is a damn good fight. I'm a big fan of both women. I got to go with Zhang, though. I just think that. She's as tough as hell. She has serious knockout power. Um, unless that young Jacek fight took something out of her, which you never know with some of those wars, like what it does to you long term. But until Zhang gives me a chance, or a reason to choose against her, I got to ride with Zhang over Namajunas. But I really, I like this match. This was, this is the best. This this fight makes the most sense at strawweight for the title. Like this is unquestionably like the fight to make and. I think I think it's going to be really really good. I think it'll live up to the hype, and I'm going to go with Jean. What about you, man? I am I'm I'm rolling with the champ. I think it's going to be very exciting. This is uh, it's interesting to me. Another little fact is this is the first time since mid 2017 that Thug Rose has not fought either Joanna Jacek or Jessica Andrade. Like that's just weird to me. The last four years of your life, you basically <laughs> spent planning for these two fighters. Now you're in there with Zhang, uh, very fired up for as you are, man. This is uh, this is a serious fight of the night uh, matchup. I think the champion retains. Uh, I just I'm with you, man. I wasn't there live, but but I, I'm so impressed by by both of the performances between uh, between Wally Zhang and Ioana at that that fight. Uh, you were at live, man. It was amazing to watch. Uh, her win over Andrade, the finish was dope. Uh, I just, I can't bet against her. I love Thug Rose, but I think we have an and still in both these fights so far, uh, two-thirds of the way through. Uh, big main big main event, big semi-main event. It basically is a triple main event with the, uh, the women's flyweight title, the final of our title fights to talk about today. Valentina Shevchenko defending against the aforementioned Jessica Andrade. Going at it and one more time for the flyweight title. Uh, this this is a it's a bruiser man. Both looking to come throw some hands. Uh, I, I'm I, I think we hear and still in all three of these. Um, but but I know the tank that is Jessica Andrade man. She's coming to get this gold. 
Yeah, and I'm with you. I think they all retain here tonight or on this night as well. Uh, but Andrade is the best option at that weight class right mm-hmm. now, similar to the other fight I was just talking about. Like Andrade was a former champion at Bantamweight, dropped down, knocked out Chukagian, who at the time was ranked number one, and Andrade joined the division, beat the number one ranked you know fighter, took that number one ranking, and stylistically, it's the most interesting fight for Chevchenko because you know she's won her last, I think it's six in a row, and I mean, obviously, just a who's who's list of contenders that she's beaten, you know, decisively over and over again. Her only loss in her career, her only two losses, you know, since 2015 are both against Amanda Nunez, one of them being a split decision loss. I mean, you can't get any closer to that. Had a loss to Carmouche early in her career. Outside of that, I mean, she has looked completely, I mean, she's just an incredible fighter. Um I think the only woman who can beat her in the company right now is is Nunez. And that's exactly. a, you know, and that's a trilogy that I think we'll probably eventually get. But yeah, I mean I just can't, I can't pick against Shevchenko. But it but Andrade at least has knockout power to make this interesting. Because if she can land on Shevchenko, or if she can get her into a compromising position, like how like because like she like when she beat Rose, exactly, you know, it was just a very strange situation there but she knew what to do and she i mean i know a lot of people didn't like seeing her get spiked on her head and everything but it was 100 percent legal what would happen there um just for anybody listening just so you know it's illegal to spike somebody on their head in the fight unless it's a situation like where like rose was working for she was trying to work a submission on on her arm i can't remember if it was like a Kimura or what she was trying to do and because she was in a submission hold and she was off the ground Andrade has every right to try to get out of the submission and that's why it was legal that she got spiked in that situation you can't just pick someone up and pile drive them but if you're in the middle of like trying to defend a submission you're allowed to do that so you know that all being said you got to go Shevchenko but at least at least it's an opponent we haven't seen Shevchenko fight before, and at least it's somebody who has knockout power to at least make it interesting. Yeah, and that's something Jessica always does as she puts up exciting fights. Four of her last five either won performance of the night, fight of the night, or both. So for that a doubt, I know we're none of our picks may be sexy. We're all going with Ann still, but uh, Jessica Andrade, I think, is just that one. Like She could get this done. Um, at the very least, going to be uh, uh, right up there with the performance of the night, fight of the night discussion because of how these two are going to meet. Uh, I'm really fired up to see Valentino Shevchenko back in there, man. Like you said, the one of my like top three fights I want uh, in all of the UFC and all of maybe MMA right now. I want to see that third uh, between Shevchenko and Nunes because she's the only woman, only maybe fighter that I would pick uh, to have a real shot with Amanda Nunes when that cage door closes. Um, so, yeah, one more time, me and Jensen both agree. Uh, three title fights. We think you see three retentions, but still a huge night of fights, uh, keeping things going on this main card. This is kind of a sneaky one, man. We, we've talked so much about the, the title fights and all the graphics and all the commercials and previews and everything, the title fights, which are, of course, super important. But a really interesting fight just a few days away with Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman squaring off. Yeah, yeah, I like this matchup. And this is one that's been rebooked a few times. So I'm, I'm hoping that we finally get it here. But yeah, stylistically, this is a very interesting fight. <clears throat> if I can clear my damn throat. Um, but, you know, Uriah Hall's on a little bit of a run. Got back-to-back-to-back wins. The most recent win was that knockout over Anderson Silva, which, you know, it was Silva's exit from the UFC. And Weidman is coming off of that decision win over Akhmedov. And Akhmedov is a really good fighter. And I remember in my predictions taking Akhmedov, like thinking he was going to beat Weidman. Um, Now, the people Weidman has lost to, because we do have to point out he is five and two in his last seven. Sorry, two and five in his last seven. Won twice, lost five. Um, but you know, Luke Rockhold was the title fight. That was Luke Rockhold's prime. 
Yoel Romero's prime lost to him. Musasi is arguably still kind of in his prime, uh, you know, based on his Bellator run. Uh, Jacare, who is trending kind of outside of his prime, and then Dominic Reyes, who took you know John Jones to the limit. So, you know, the people Weidman's losing to, similar to the Gastelum thing we were talking about earlier, it's not, and he actually beat Kevin Gastelum, by the way, during this run. Um, so it's tough because it, honestly, it, I think it goes one of, it's going to go one of two ways. Either Hall's going to catch him and knock him out or Weidman's going to out wrestle him. And I don't know what's going to happen. I got it. I tend to go with wrestlers in these scenarios because I can't just like bank on Uriah Hall, this landing, but he's done it plenty of times mm-hmm. in his career, you know, yep. the, uh, the Musasi fight is, you know, especially I remember cause he was throwing a kick to the body, but Musasi bent over and ate it to the face and got KO'd. Like it was just like the timing was just, you know, it wasn't what, it wasn't what Uriah Hall was trying to do, but that's the power that he throws. I mean, so it's tough. I got to go Weidman because I just, I just favor wrestlers in these scenarios usually, but I totally get, I totally get a Raya Hall pick here as well. What do you think? I'm actually going to go Hall because of what you just said. I think uh, smart money. If I'm going to Vegas, I'm probably going to put that on Weidman because of the wrestling dynamic, but something, it just tells me, I think Hall maybe, maybe, finally gets that land right we haven't really seen it he finished Anderson Silva but that was a fourth round fight in a fight that a lot of people would you could say it's disrespect to Anderson but just the age and everything else they expected Uriah Hall to finish that sooner uh I think he does man I think he beats Weidman he gets the finish here um that's just I guess it's just a gut call right now because normally I'm with you I think Weidman probably uses the wrestling to win uh Hall with that win streak and everything else we're talking about, uh, a finish over over Chris Weidman would, would mean quite a bit right now in that middleweight division. Um, but again, one does highlight this is a lot of title talk. Hall Weidman, very exciting fight on this main card Saturday night. The uh, the the opener on the the main card over on ESPN Plus, Anthony Smith back in the cage squaring up with Jimmy Crute in the light heavyweight division. Two tough dudes throwing down, man. This is a hell of a way to start the pay-per-view off. It is, and it's a really important fight at light heavyweight because, you know, Anthony Smith's in a position where, I think I was, when I was looking, he was number six. Yeah, he is number six and Cruz ranked number 13. So this mm-hmm. is a really big opportunity for Jimmy Crude, and it's also a really important fight for Anthony Smith to win. Um, you know, Smith's coming off that win over Devin Clark, but that was a a last minute thing like Devin Clark just get kind of put in that spot. Um, I can't remember. I let me pull the card up. There was, it was initially, <clears throat> excuse me. It was initially supposed to be uh, Curtis blades and Derek Lewis on that show as the main event. So I remember like last minute they move Anthony Smith into that spot and, <clears throat> you know, to his credit, he went in there and, looked incredibly impressive in that win over Devin Clark got the triangle choke sub dominated, you know, just looked really, really damn good in a fight that he really needed to win after coming off of losses to Rockich and to Shara, even though of course those are two of the best fighters in the division right now. And then on crude side, he's coming off back to back wins over Alexa Chuck and Bukox Bukox. Don't know how the hell to say that guy's name. Um, but, uh, I mean, back-to-back wins, knockout and submission. Only loss in his career is Misha Serkinov. Uh, he beat Paul Craig, who was tough as hell. I, I beat Sam Alvey, who we talked about last week. Don't know if he'll be in the UFC much longer. But, yeah, I, this is a tough one to call. Because Anthony Smith has fought, you know, higher-level competition for a long time. top-tier. Yeah, tippy top-tier talent. But then Crute, like, you know, he's only 25. He's probably super hungry. I mean, if he knows. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'll say 12 wins, nine by finish for Crute. Yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. He has a lot of potential. And he, I mean, I just feel like he's got to come in here knowing, like, he takes out Anthony Smith. 
you know, that puts him, he'll probably take his ranking or, or close to it. He'll definitely be in the top 10, might even be, you know, seven, six, something like that. I mean, it's, you are in serious contender territory with a lot of big name fights. If you beat Anthony Smith, um, and Anthony Smith in itself is a big fight to a degree. Oh yeah. Um, man, this is tough. I'm going to go. Cause Anthony Smith has to be equally as motivated. Cause like he needs to win this to keep his ranking and like stay in, stay in the mix too. Like if he loses, he's, I mean, he's still okay. He's still in the company, but like that's gonna be, he's he's just not gonna be able to climb. If he wants to make another run at the title, which I think is his intention, it's like mm-hmm. he can't he's be gotta have this it. fight. Yeah, gotta have it. I'm gonna go. Yeah, this is a really tough one to call. I'm gonna go. Man, I'm gonna go Anthony Smith. I think just the. I think his. If he's got the right mindset going into this and he has the right game plan going into this and he can avoid being in serious trouble from Jimmy Crude. But the problem there is like Anthony Smith has been rocked in some of these fights like and Crude hits hard and Crude can also submit you. Oh, I'm my mind is going Crude, but like I'm going Anthony Smith. I got it. I got to stick with it. I'll go Anthony Smith. What about you, dude? This is a really, really tough one to, to make a prediction for. Yeah, very tough one that I've wavered back and forth on. I think the, the the point I keep coming back to, I guess it's really two, is Anthony Smith needs this win. He knows he needs it. We saw him recently after two really tough performances against Glover and then Alexander Rakic. He looked really good uh, this past November. Performance of the night, finish win over Devin Clark with that triangle choke. I think he comes in confident. And, and because of it fighting that tippy-tippy-top, best-in-the-world talent, I think he's going to get the job done. Uh, it's a great matchup of Hungry Young Gun and Anthony Smith, who, of course, has been in there with, you know, with titles on the line. I think Anthony gets the win, but I'm with you, man. This is literally a coin flip of a fight to start off the pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, this is just a stacked pay-per-view from from top to bottom of this main card. I mean, yeah, that, that, that fight right there could easily main event an ESPN plus card for no sure. Doubt. Oh, same, dude, no doubt. Yeah. Same with that hall and Weidman fight. I think actually that was supposed to be the main event of one of those ESPN plus cards not too long ago, or, or may, it might've even been, I don't know how many times it's been moved. It might've even been like the co-main or something on a pay-per-view, I think, but um, yeah, it's stacked card, man. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's going to be going to be a very good night. Hopefully. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on ESPN+. Plus, Of course, the early prelims and the prelims will be early ESPN2. Prelims, I believe, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. We've got Alex Alex Oliveira and Randy Brown as our quote-unquote prelim main event. Dwight Grant's in action. Carl Roberson, Brennan Allen. What uh, what are a couple of these fights on the prelims that kind of have you going, uh, don't, you know, these are don't miss be in front of your your cow or be in front of your television and, and or your your phone and you do not want to miss these before the the main card. Um well I would say out of the out of the prelims we would have you know like the Oliver and Brown fight and the Robertson and Brennan Allen fight are all are all interesting. All of those guys are coming off losses. Mm-hmm. I think. Let me double check uh Randy Brown. I know everyone else is. Yeah. And Randy Brown just lost to Vicente Luque, who's uh, like one of the top guys could fight for the title next. And like, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, But these are all talented fighters. Like Alex Oliveira. I remember his last fight, he got submitted, like, which was like the most ironic thing. Cause like you just, no one saw him getting submitted coming in that one. Um, Randy Brown, like I said, you know, Vicente Luque is just a damn good fighter, and he's he's looked really good outside of that. And I, I'm going to take Randy Brown as far as like a prediction. I think he beats Oliveira, um, and then Robertson and Brennan Allen. I remember Brennan Allen like trying to get signed by the UFC a while back. I remember when he went through the Contender series because they actually like spotlighted him quite a bit, like heading into that. And his only loss since coming into the company was to Sean Strickland, and that was his last fight. 
Um, if you look at his opponent, Carl Robertson, his, mo- his most recent fight is a loss to Marvin Vittori, who, like we mentioned, very well mm-hmm. could fight for the title next. His other loss was to Teixeira, who is fighting for the title. And then Cesar Ferreira um, was in 2018. So... I mean, I, I like I like these matchups a lot. These two uh, these two fights, and I'm gonna go just as far as a prediction goes. I'm gonna go Robertson over Brennan Allen in that one. So uh, those are the ones that I'd highlight, and they I think they're two really good fights. So uh, so yeah, check those out if you want to watch some fights before this uh, pay per view starts. Check them out again. ESPN for prelims, early, early prelims, ESPN 2, everything on ESPN Plus, including that main card capped off by three championship fights. Steven Jensen, we, we knocked out another one. Big, huge, gigantic pay-per-view this Saturday night that, of course, we will be t- talking about next week around this time. And then, of course, we'll be previewing a little bit uh may 1st will be the next card after this saturday back at the apex it appears we will be headlined by dominic reyes and yuri prochaz prochazka i think it's how you say it it's gonna be a tough ass fight may 1st we're gonna preview that next week but but for now man uh, if you can follow me over on twitter at most kobk and uh and man just again uh, always look forward to talking mma with you homie yeah, man. Same here. And thanks for joining again. Always appreciate it. If y'all want to follow me on Twitter, it's fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. Make sure to check out music city toys and collectibles. We're going to be there on May 1st. Dan Severn's going to be there. It's going to be awesome. One-on-one <laughs> West Main in Waterton, Tennessee. So uh, looking forward to that big time. And yeah, if you want to, uh, Watch the YouTube stuff that I do. Jesse Davin's channel. I'll be there live tomorrow afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll be talking pro wrestling. Uh, Thursday night, I'll be doing the Impact Watch Along on twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. And then afterwards, me and Doug will be going live talking about AEW and like whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. So that's always fun. That's at the RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, anything else I got going on, I'll make sure to keep updated on Twitter. Also, use code FIGHTTALK at independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live, however you want to get to the website, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, no space, put it under the promo code spot, help support the podcast, helps out a ton. Uh, anything left from you, Moe's, before we sign off here? No, man, always uh, appreciate being here, KOBK. KOBK. For Jumping Johnny Mosley, I'm Steven Jensen. Next Monday, we'll talk to you again, talking more mixed martial arts.